Well, good morning again. I used to think people that carried big Bibles in leather cases were a bit strange, but it helps hold your notes together, I found years ago. So um, I carry a Bible in a big leather case these days, <laughs> have done for a long time. There were some folk that I ran into through the week who were here last Sunday, and I said, oh, next Sunday Kirk will be on. He didn't preach last Sunday because of the kids thing, and, but, uh, or the big breakfast but, and the sharing, but he'll be on this Sunday. So, because uh, I, I believe that Kirk's a great preacher and teacher and I love to encourage people to come and listen to him. So um, my apologies for them, he's not here today. <laughs> I thought he was. I hadn't checked my preaching roster and realised, I thought, Kirk's away. May I think I might be on somewhere soon. And I was. So, uh, but that's by way of introduction. Um, over the years when I was pastoring the church, I used to ask the Lord each week what it was that he wanted for the next Sunday and quite often it was two services and the Lord was always faithful and he spoke to me. When you don't preach every week, um, sometimes the Lord puts a seed in your head for when you are next going to speak. And he'd been speaking to me some time ago uh, in the recent days about a sense of um, understanding more about holiness and so that little seed was in there and so when I read my uh, emails and realised I was on this week, I think that was Thursday, um, I thought, yep, that's okay, I know what it's about, it's about speaking about holiness. And then on Friday night, I went to bed, I sat and watched the footy for a while, saw the Broncos win, and uh, well I didn't see them win actually, I saw half of it and then I went to bed because I was tired, but uh, they did win, for those that are interested, and, um, but I went to sleep very quickly and five times through the night, the Lord woke me up. And each time he woke me up, he said, Psalm 139. And it was like, what? What's that about, Lord? And it was just Psalm 139. And there's a couple of phrases in that psalm that I, I like, one of which is um, that I am wonderfully made. I, I like that thing, that part of it. And... Uh, and, and there's a couple of other parts of that psalm, you know, that, that really impact me each time I think of it. But the Lord wasn't actually highlighting any verses. He was just saying Psalm 139. And I'd go back to sleep. And then an hour and a half later, I'd wide awake Psalm 139. So for those of you that wonder, when that happens, I think that's the Lord speaking, okay? That's, that's just a bit of a heads up on how the Lord sometimes does get my attention. And so I got up uh, Saturday morning and I come down here for a prayer meeting, which we have, and um, this Psalm 139 would not leave me alone. But at the same time, I felt like there was this stirring of the Lord about holiness. And so the Lord then joined the dots, and I hope I'm able to do that this morning as I share with you. The... The misunderstanding that we often have about holiness is that somehow we have to attain to some form of picture of perfection to meet with this prescription of holy. That is not what it means when we read the word holy in the scripture. 
the, the Hebrew word uh, for holy, there's three, of, well, that's one word, um, but it, it means dedicated and devoted or separated unto. And so when we look at the word holy, we need to understand that what it's speaking to us is when God says, be holy for I am holy, he's saying, be dedicated and devoted to me as I am dedicated and devoted to you. And when we grasp that, there's a couple of things that happen. One is that we are not the ones that have the engine to do that. It's be that as I am that to you. Quite often in scripture, we read it like we've got to do it so God can. But more often than not, we need to flip it on its head and we are able to do it because God does. And so the thing that the Lord said to me yesterday when I sat down to write was, blessed assurance through understanding the holiness of God. Holiness is intimacy on steroids. That's my expression of a way of saying what I believe holiness is. Holiness is intimacy on steroids. It's intimacy beyond an intimacy that you could ever understand. And this is where Psalm 139 comes in and we'll read it a bit later. But if we, if we take a look at the scriptures, the thing that God was saying is that he has in his heart a place for us that is, if you like, up there and out there and isolated out to be able to love on us. And he chose a people for himself, the Israelites, he chose them as a people for himself and he said to them, be holy for I am holy. He wanted them to have an intimate and separated unto him relationship from all the other gods that were around and all of the other claims that were upon them for their time. He was saying, I want to have you as a precious jewel in my heart that I, I have put you there so that I can love on you. And because I love on you, I, I want to see your love response back to me. And we read it in Exodus where Moses is being given the Ten Commandments and he is invited by God to say this to the people, that he's separating them out from the, all the people in the world and he's separating them out to be a people for himself. That will then declare the praises of who God is into the world. It's in Exodus 3, uh, sorry, Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6. Now, you'll notice also that I don't have anything on the overhead, okay? So I'm, I'm an audio-type presenter, so you're going to have to listen. I'm sorry if you're a visual learner. Um, I apologise for that, but um, I hope that what I say will cut through and, and plant there a seed. Okay, thanks, mate. Good on you. Um, that Exodus passage, uh, I'll just read it quickly. There's just the three verses in Exodus 19, 3 to 6. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. This is God saying to Moses, this is the, in his heart what he had for the people of Israel and still does and still does. God has not changed that. But what has happened is that Jesus has come and we've been invited into that family through Jesus, into that people set apart is where we come and we are grafted into that people, we are grafted into the vine as those that have been set apart for the glory of God to have a relationship of that kind where God says, you are my people, you are the treasure in my heart. Out of all of the earth, I have called you, invited you into this place of relationship with me, and I want to be holy unto you. I want to be so dedicated and devoted to you, it'll blow your mind. And our response is, oh yeah, that's all right, you know, I'm going to go to the footy. And that is our response quite often, which is really quite distressing to God's heart I would believe other than the fact that God is all gracious and he knows that we like the footy but at the same time this is I believe the challenge of this era as we just heard from David and Carly the society does not have a God consciousness like it used to have one of the things I used to love about visiting the United States when I used to travel a lot was that they had a God consciousness that we didn't have in this country. That people had an awareness of God. They may not have honoured God, but they knew God was real and they were making choices as a nation about that. Now that's changing as well when you read what's going on around the world. But there is in God's heart this place for those that have he's chosen to come and be his own. And we do that in Jesus so when we move across to the new covenant where God is still doing what he said he wanted to do, separating a people unto himself, that people is us in Jesus, joined in with the people of Israel. I, this is not a theological statement out of the scriptures, but I have this sense in my heart that the Jewish people get a second crack at it. If they, have, if they get to the point where their life on earth is finished and they haven't embraced Jesus, I reckon they get a second go because I think God has got in his heart such a, a precious, special place for that people that uh, the, the Gentiles, we get, we get one shot. You know, We get the invitation to come to Jesus and, uh, and that's our invitation. And if we embrace it, we come into the family of God. The Jews are already the family of God. They just are waiting for Jesus to come. Some of them haven't worked out that he's been yet. When I was there in Israel, I met a, um, a Messianic Jew and was talking to another guy who was our tour leader who wasn't a, a Christian. And I said, so what do you say? Uh, what will you say when you meet Jesus? He said, well, I'll say, is this your first or second visit? <laughs> that was his way of dealing with it because he hadn't quite worked it out yet. He didn't know if Jesus had been or if he had been once and was coming again he knew he was to come but he hadn't quite worked out that he'd been <clears throat> and so we read in Peter's uh, epistle uh, Peter's letter 
in 1 Peter 1 and 1 Peter 2. Uh, some scripture that I think is really important. We'll just turn to that for a minute. In 1 Peter 1, 13, Peter says these words. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And then in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 and 10, I love this scripture. Peter says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He was writing to the church. A people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, we come into being the people of God. People often misunderstand the expression children of God. They think everybody on earth is a child of God. No, that's not true. Scripturally, you're a child of God once you become a child of God through embracing Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. Up until then, you are a child of somebody's and you are someone that Jesus has died for, but you haven't actually entered into this royal priesthood relationship other than through Jesus. That's when we are a child of God. Is that clear? It's pretty black and white, but some people miss. They say, oh, I'm a child of God. Well... It's legitimate to say, well, I actually don't think you are unless you've given your heart to Jesus. And that's not an arrogant thing. That's just a reflection of truth. And one of the things we have to be, I believe, on our front foot about in this day and age is being able to reflect truth in circumstances and in conversation. Not in an arrogant way, not in a way of telling people they're wrong, but speak truth into the middle of it so that we are declaring the truth, the light speaking into the darkness. God is holy. God is separated unto himself for us. I have this also this strong belief that, uh, and it, to me it's made clear in John's gospel, that God created himself incomplete without us. Because God invites us into this communion with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that in John 17. He says, let them be one in us as we are in one another. It's, a, it's an amazing kind of convoluted scripture, John 17. But the, the sense of it is that we come into a communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I believe that God has made himself to not be complete until all of the people are in the kingdom that are meant to be in. Does that make sense to you? It, it's, it's a God choice. It's not our choice. It's a God choice. But it's an invitation of God to every one of us to realise how precious we are to him. That he has said, I am for you in a way that you would not believe. And he's inviting us to respond to him. We be, 
We are holy by decree. God declares us holy in Jesus Christ. And then we become holy by degree, progressively, as we embrace this relationship of holiness, this relationship of dedication and devotion. We cannot become what we are meant to become until we embrace this relationship in a dedicated and devoted way. Let me say that again. I don't believe we can become what we are meant to become in a relationship with God until we embrace that relationship in complete dedication and devotion. How do we do that? We put God first. He becomes our number one, all-important, first choice in all things at all times. If he's not, we haven't come to understand the power of the holiness of God towards us, just what's in that invitation. It is awesomely powerful. He is the creator of the universe. He has put all the stars in place. He made you and he made me. We'll read it in Psalm 139. And he has said, I want to be so completely intimate with you. As we become his chosen for blessing people, chosen for blessing people, a people to live for his glory and pleasure, we show the world the God way to live. We can't show the world a God way to live until we know that we are a people that's been set apart to be blessed by God because we're trying to do it in our own strength and we won't make it. It doesn't happen. It only happens as we receive the holy touch of God's love on our lives and suddenly we come alive in a way that we could no other ways come alive. We are free from condemnation and shame. We live in the confidence of the love and protection of the one who holds life and all creation in his hands. Let me say that again. We are free from condemnation and shame and we live in the confidence of the love and protection of the one who holds life and all creation in his hands. We become a royal priesthood. We are set apart for his glory. Sometimes we forget we don't understand is that we depend in this relationship on the holiness of God. The absolute totality of God's love, gaze and power on and for us above all else. You see, God has put us in that place. As he's inviting us to put him in that place, he's put us in that place. What's he say in the word? He says that we are the pinnacle of his creation. We, there was nothing more precious to him than, than us. So if he's saying that, that's where his dedication and he said, be holy because I'm holy. He's made himself very, very clear. He's saying, I am dedicated and devoted to you. Don't try to understand it, just embrace it. <laughs> you know, that's the best way, just say, okay, I'm in, Lord. But it's critical for us to understand it, I believe. It moves us from striving to relationship from law to love, from distance to intimacy, from being a separated, from being a, a part of the mob to being a separated people to be loved by God. The Old Testament asked the people to be separated and to bring praise and honour to God and to declare that to him in a structured legalistic way because it was the way it was set up. But since Jesus 
We accept God has said it's okay in Jesus and we choose holiness as a response to his demonstrating his love to us. So the word holiness is a word used to describe both dedication and devotion completely. God is dedicated and devoted to his people, the holy nation. We are part of it. We are part of the royal priesthood. See, the priests were set apart. He wanted Israel to be a priestly nation, set apart to honour him in the whole earth. They didn't quite get it right, and so the invitation is to the church to be that. And that's still legitimate, alive, and God's invitation to the church to be that. Am I making sense here? Is this going in? Okay. Just need to be clear. <clears throat> we minister to the heart of God when we believe God for who he says he is. And we believe that Jesus is the son of God. We accept the offer of God that Jesus has made it right for us. We live, we, we, we bless God when we live in a sense of knowing that we are set apart by God to be loved by him above and beyond our wildest imaginations. You know, we need to get to that place. We need to get to that place to know that we are set apart by God. Why? To be loved by him. Not to be measured in your performance every day and have I got it right and have I spent enough time doing this or that or the other. But set apart to be loved by the creator of the universe. Yes, absolutely. And when we live in that place, praise, thanksgiving and an absolute trust and assurance that God is good sets us free. That's the key, you know. That's the key. When we know that we can trust God, everything else falls into place. For a living expressed picture of this, the Lord insisted I read Psalm 139. Holy intimacy. It's a Psalm of David. As I said, God woke me up five times through the night. There are two occasions when this psalm um, really was critical in my life journey. Once was when our oldest son, Kirk's older brother Peter, was in a very bad car accident in New South Wales. And there were, uh, Peter was driving a car and there was another car and it was a highway accident and the driver of the other car was killed. And I happened to be in New South Wales that day, thankfully, and I was able to get to the hospital where Peter was. He was discharged and we went to the police station after that. And because there was someone killed, they um, charged Peter. Uh, he was later found innocent. Uh, there was no drugs, no alcohol. It was a traffic accident based upon the highway, not Peter's fault, thankfully. He wasn't speeding. But the police charged him with... Um, culpable driving causing death and I was with him while they were going through all of that sitting with him in the police station at Windsor and at midnight um, they said okay we're done now I said now can I take my son home to Brisbane and we had to put up a bail um, 
at that moment and it was all okay. And we went back, <clears throat> I drove him back to the airport, we, we booked into a hotel at the airport and uh, this accident happened at like three in the afternoon, he was knocked out, uh, I, I picked him up at six o'clock and so we'd had six hours of intense uh, dialogue with the police <clears throat> who were only doing their job. And when we got to the hotel, I'd booked a flight back the next morning to Brisbane. We were living in Brisbane. And um, <clears throat> before we went to bed, I said, Pete, we need to just pray, mate. And he said, yeah, Dad. And the Lord said to me, read Psalm 139. Because in it, it points out that the Lord knows what's going to happen to us. And he, he really spoke to me that, that night about that sense of God's totality of intimacy with us in life. And the other time that the Lord caused me to go to Psalm 139 and told me to read it was when my mother came home and said, the doctor's just told me I've got liver cancer and I probably don't have very long to live. And that was out of the blue. We didn't expect that or know that. And the Lord said, read Psalm 139. So I read that to mum, we read it together and we prayed together. And even though I knew that the word was clear, I still had a pretty big argument with God when mum passed away four weeks later. I said it was, he hadn't got the calendar right. However, God is right. He showed me that he was right. But, you know, my heart cry was that I didn't want to lose her then. She was only, she was my age now. She was only 69. She was a young woman. <clears throat> But those two occasions, this psalm just spoke to me. It's a picture of such understanding of the total intimacy, knowledge and protection and life plan that God had for David and has for you and me. And the Lord reminded me of that. And he's asked me to read it out, that we will listen to it. David expressed his heart and understanding always. I love David as a, as a psalmist. He says it how he feels it. He never tries to hide his feeling. He never tries to candy coat what's going on inside his heart or his mind. And God loves that. He was so sure of God's love and so sure that God was good, he had no hesitation in saying whatever it was that needed to be said. Let's just read Psalm 139. If you want to close your eyes and listen, that's fine. This is David speaking to his Father in heaven. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's a man who knew that God loved him. And who he could trust. God, search me to the core. And if there is anything not right, anything that's offensive to you, sort me out, Lord. That's what he's saying. Fearless through a trust in a loving God. That's full on intimacy. I believe the Lord has wanted us today to come to a place where we understand that God is holy he is dedicated and devoted to us and that he's inviting us to reflect our dedication and devotion back to him as a way of living not as a legal agreement but as a choice through relationship but also to understand in that what the incredible sense of love there is for us in that. The incredible sense of intimacy. That's an intimacy beyond the intimacy I have with Carol and I've been married to her for 48 years. Because it's an intimacy that only God can have with us. You see, I believe our primary intimacy relationship has to be with God. If it's not, every other relationship becomes less than what God would have it be for us. When we look to put something or someone else as our primary intimacy relationship, we come up short on life in all its fullness. So God's invitation to us, day after day after day, but particularly today, I believe, because he's highlighted this in the last two verses of that psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. David's saying, God, you know my heart better than I know it. 
come and do your work in me, Lord. And I'm going to trust you with whatever you do with that. Because then I will come to a place of incredible intimacy where holiness will be, for me, more of who I am and how I am with you, Lord. And understanding that God's touch on our lives is going to be good for us. When we read it, it's like, where can I go from you? David's not saying, I want to hide. He's saying, there is nowhere that you're not. There is nowhere that I could go that you're not there to love me and protect me, Lord. He's not saying, I want to go and hide from you, God. You know, he's not saying if, if surely the darkness will hide me. What he's saying is when, when I'm in the darkness, I'm, I'm lost. But no, you're, I'm not, Lord. You, you, the darkness is as light to you, so I'm safe there too. It's an incredible picture of David knowing that God knows him was, is, and he's inviting God to know him completely. The things that are, are hidden and secret and, and that are buried in him that he doesn't even know are there himself. I mean, he's very honest. He's saying, kill my enemies. And if that's not right, Lord, you sort it out for me. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not holding himself up as being super righteous. He's holding himself up as being super vulnerable. We're not taught that when we grow up. But it's there. And it's the invitation of God for us as mature, in inverted commas, adults. Not the adult part, the mature part. I believe that God is saying today, let me do for you a Davidic type freedom where we say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And I'm willing to be so completely and utterly unveiled before you, God, because I know I can trust you and I know you love me. And you're not going to turn away from me because of the ugly stuff that might be there that I, I don't even know is there. But I'm going to trust you. And that causes us to come to a place of wanting to have God as our number one relationship. Does it not? does for me. I hope it does for you. So, that's it. Holiness is dedication and devotion in response to God's dedication and devotion to us. Your choice, your call. The invitation is to be in this love dance with the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you. God said through Jesus, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When we get to the end of using this body and move into the next phase, um, I, I, my personal belief, and again, this is me, it's, people have different views, is that when my body wears out and you all, those of you that are around and want to come and say farewell, that's fine. My spirit will have probably already gone to be with the Lord by that time, but you can sort of meet together and have a party. But my spirit will have gone to be with the Lord and I will be there with him, ready to receive my resurrection body when the Lord says now it's time to come and party some more. That's my view of what happens when this body wears out, if you wanted to know. Some people talk about being translated in, in bodily form. I mean, that might be so, I don't know. It's not, I don't think it's going to happen to most of us, but you know, it's happened to a few. But there is this absolute assurance that 
the loving God who has said that he's invited me into his separated family for me to declare his praise and his glory that's all I've got to do is just continue to praise and glorify God and as I do that in my life people will hopefully see something that makes them want to know a bit about who Jesus is but I can go out and knock on every door in Pine Rivers and if I do it in my own strength that's not going to bring Jesus to people what will bring Jesus to people is me putting him first and people seeing that and knowing that so those of you that with me today would like to bear it all for Jesus keep your clothes on your heart bear it all for Jesus the invitation today is to come to this place of saying Lord I truly want to respond to your holiness and let me become holy unto you now this is not a, a guilt trip this is just an invitation and you may have done that this morning already and if you have that's fantastic there's no you've got to stand up because the person beside you is standing up but I feel like God has said that he wants to offer this and that we're going to pray so maybe we'll do it and as I'm praying if you feel like this is something that you want to do then you might just stand up and then we'll um, see what happens after that father thank you for your word thank you that you have shown us your heart thank you that David as he wrote these words Lord was choosing to make himself completely vulnerable completely intimate with you Lord I thank you that you are the most intimate loving person and you are a person God that I can have a relationship with and Lord I am choosing today to say that I want to be fully responsive to your dedication and devotion to me Lord I am choosing to say today father that I invite you to look at my heart the very core of who I am and Lord if there's any part of me that is in any way distressing to you Lord please touch it please free me free me from anxiety free me from holds that are on me and that I have taken hold of in other things and Lord most of all free me from those things that have taken a claim to the place where you belong holy 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 that is who you are God thank you that I can trust you and have absolute assurance of your love for me Lord thank you Jesus thank you father Lord for each one that is standing I thank you that their hearts Lord are open to you now and that Lord your their invitation is for you to come and touch with even greater power the core of who they are the core of who we are Lord that we might be A reflection of your holiness Lord in the earth 